0: Welcome to Self-Care Hacks, the short podcast for overwhelmed and stressed out women who want to learn how to take better care of themselves. I'm your host, Anita Ojeda. I used to suffer from overwhelm and stress too, but I've learned how to take care of myself and take care of others. You can too. For the next couple of weeks, I'm going to talk about spiritual self-care. So what does spiritual self-care look like? Well, here's a story that helped illustrates what spiritual self-care probably shouldn't look like. May I go on the mountain bike ride this Sunday? Tony asked. I don't think that's a good idea, Tony. Didn't you just learn how to ride a bike last spring? Yeah, he hung his head a little bit. Maybe I shouldn't go. You probably need more experience before you tackle a black diamond mountain bike trail. Okay, maybe I could borrow a bike some Sunday and practice around campus? Absolutely. I made a mental note to ask Pedro about Lending Tony a Bicycle. I felt badly about having to say no, but Pedro and I had planned a ride for the more adventurous and skilled students. Sometimes we invite a variety of ability levels when we take students mountain biking, and we choose easier trails. But due to time constraints, we had asked that only kids who knew what they were doing sign up. Or so we thought. Once we arrived at the trailhead, we quickly unloaded the bicycles and gathered the eight boys around for last-minute instructions. Despite the date, late January, and elevation, 7,000 feet, the day felt balmy. Pedro had a chest cold, so he offered to ride at the back of the pack and let me take the lead. Generally, I play the role of sweeper. I make sure no one gets lost or too far from an adult. I hang out at the back and have a leisurely ride with no competition. Sometimes I get stuck with a whiny student who tries my patience. Mostly, though, I exercise my intentional cheerleading muscles. Let's go, boys, I called as I stepped on the pedals to lock my shoes. When I raced down the trail, I glanced over my shoulder once to make sure everyone followed. I noticed Sammy, a new student, wobbly bit as he went through the first dip. But I pushed worry aside as we flew down the trail. After five minutes, I stopped for an equipment check. It turns out Pedro had a flat tire. Go on ahead, he urged. I'll catch up. Fifteen minutes later, we came to a fork in the trail, and I stopped again. So, why did I stop? I asked the first boy to catch up with me. Because you're tired? Nah. A second boy pulled up and heard my question and the response. She stopped because the trail splits. We're supposed to always stop at decision points. I nodded in affirmation. That's right. Always stop at decision points and wait for the rest of the group. That way, we don't lose anyone. After five minutes, we saw Sammy riding down the hill. Go, Sammy! Another boy called out. I felt a moment of pride that the boys took time to encourage a slower member. And then I worried a bit at Sammy's unsteady bike-handling skills. About that time, Pedro slid to a halt at the back of the line, nodded to me, and I took off again. For the next hour, I bounced up and down the hills. A full-suspension bike makes this easy on my old bones. As I stood on the pedals and powered my way up hills, I felt good about the weight training exercises I'd started a month ago. My bike handling skills had improved, along with my upper body strength. Pride crept into the corners of my mouth, and I congratulated myself on staying ahead of a pack of teenage boys. The further we went on the trail... The longer we had to wait for Pedro and Sammy, though. At mile seven, we started a steep ascent that lasted for over a mile. Instead of stopping every mile or so, as I had done before, I had to stop every quarter mile to suck in deep breaths of air. After cresting the hill, I waited 15 minutes for all but Sammy and Pedro to arrive. Poor Sammy, I heard one of the boys say. He could barely push his bike up the hill. Yeah, I guess he wasn't ready for this ride, another answered. It's only his second time riding a bike. What? I exclaimed. Sammy's only ridden once before. Yeah, he learned how to ride two years ago and he hasn't gone since. All seven boys nodded in wide-eyed innocence. I guess we shouldn't have told him to sign up for mountain biking. Yeah, we thought he'd really like it, though, because he likes other stuff that we do. Right about then, Pedro texted me to let me know their location. I waited another ten minutes and then sent the rest of the boys on ahead, reminding them to stop at any decision points. When Pedro finally arrived thirty minutes later, I offered to hang out with Sammy so that Pedro could catch up to the other boys. They could get a head start on loading the bike trailer and bring it closer to where the road crossed the trail so Sammy wouldn't have to ride as far. By this time, we'd been on the trail for over two hours, much longer than we'd anticipated. I gave an encouraging grin to Sammy, and we set off. After ten feet, Sammy almost fell going through a simple dip. He got off the bike and started pushing it. Knowing what I now knew, I didn't blame him. It had taken me years to feel comfortable riding on this kind of rocky terrain. For the next 45 minutes, I had a lot of time to think. Mostly, I thought about how Sammy would probably never, ever, ever want to get on a bicycle again. One bad experience with a group of overly enthusiastic friends would sour him for life from mountain biking. And then I started thinking about three surefire ways to really turn people off of Christianity. And they kind of had a parallel with our biking experience. The first way to turn people off of Christianity is to dump the background check. All too often, when we hear that someone shares the Christian faith with us, we assume we assume that they have the same experience and general ability we do. If we love meaty, in-depth Bible studies and discussions about the finer points of theology, we figure our new friends would like them too. Unfortunately, We might turn them off of Bible studies for life. Maybe we've progressed in our relationship with Jesus to the point where we know for certain that God wants us to give up drinking. And so we assume that every other person who calls themselves a Christian should give up drinking too. Maybe we secretly judge them if they have an occasional glass of wine. We need to stop assuming that everyone who shows up at church is on the same trail that we are. Instead, we need to invest in real relationships with people. Start at the beginning, get to know them, find out more about their background. Why did they come to church that day? Whatever we do, we don't want to overwhelm them with too much on a first encounter, like we did with poor Sammy on his first mountain bike ride. The second thing we can do to turn people off from Christianity is to speak in Christianese. Use the biggest words possible, things like righteousness by faith, transubstantiation. We need to cull our vocabulary and cut out phrases a newbie wouldn't understand if i would have been paying closer attention to sammy as we geared up for the ride i would have noticed that he had a hard time putting on his helmet and that he didn't know how to adjust his bicycle seat to the proper height i would have noticed that his hands were shaking as he put on his gloves but instead i assumed once again that he loved mountain biking and that's why he was there in hebrews 5:13 it says anyone who lives on milk being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. The Bible calls it milk, but you could just as easily substitute beginning biker. Pedro and I failed to find out the ability level of one of our riders. We assumed that because he had signed up and because he played on the basketball team, he would have a reasonably enjoyable experience. He didn't. He didn't understand what mountain biking really meant. Just like many new Christians or people interested in Christianity have no clue about what righteousness is or what it means. Each step of the last two miles that Sammy took looked painful. His skater's shoes might have worked fine on a bicycle, but they provided no support while walking on rocky and even biking paths. When the trail crossed patches of snow, Sammy looked even more miserable as he slipped and lost his balance. I encouraged him and tried a few conversational gambits, But I started to worry I would somehow have to carry him the rest of the way. He came close to hitting the wall, that point where the body has used up all its stores of energy and movement becomes almost impossible. Our failure to properly vet our riders equaled feeding a baby steak. We weren't speaking the same vocabulary. When we said, bike ride, how often do we as church members try to feed baby steak? Does your church offer a variety of experiences that will nourish everyone from babies to mature Christians? And by babies, I don't mean those in the cradle roll or kindergarten room. I mean new Christians. Do we use plain English or do we speak Christianese? Have we urged babies to read texts on exegesis and then look down our noses when they don't understand? And worst of all, how many times do we secretly judge someone else because their skills don't equal ours? I confess I felt all Judgy McJudgerton about little non-salvation issues such as jewelry, makeup, eating habits, viewing habits, or even Bible translations. Don't get me wrong. I don't think we should refrain from hanging out with beginning bikers or new Christians. We just need to form a relationship and find out information before suggesting a path. There's a reason we start little kids in church singing, Jesus loves me. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. That's the basics. That's what Christians need to know. That's what new believers need to know. That's what seekers need to feel. How can you, as a Christian, help people understand the love of Jesus? That's all that really matters. The third thing we can do to turn people off from Christianity is to be dishonest. Although well-meaning, Sammy's seven friends Did him a horrible disservice by urging him to sign up for the mountain bike ride, and not telling the truth about his skills to those in charge. But I've done the same thing too. I've been dishonest about my doubts. I've been dishonest about how much time I spend with God, and I've been dishonest about the hard disciplines that make me grow as a Christian. We need to stop making Christianity sound like pie in the sky and help seekers and new believers understand that, like with any relationship, a relationship with God takes time, a desire to learn, and a willingness to make mistakes. And we as Christians need to be honest about where we fall short. Usually for me, it's in the pride department. When we were about 600 yards from the bike trailer, Sammy suddenly noticed, and he hopped back on the bike again and rode down towards the rest of the boys as they cheered for him. I kept my bike behind him, wanting him to have a victory even if it was just beating the old lady to the bike trailer. No one needed to know that I'd gotten off my bicycle and walked along with him for most of the way. So don't forget the three surefire ways to really turn people off of Christianity and what we should do instead. Number one, don't do a background check. Ignore everything you know about forming relationships and just assume that anyone who walks through the church doors is at the same level that you are. The second thing we can do, speak in Christianese. Use big words and make yourself sound pious and holy. And the third thing we can do is we can be dishonest. Make it sound like being a Christian is as easy as riding a bike. Come back next week when I talk about how to love outside your comfort zone. Take care of yourselves, my friends. You are worth it. You can find me at selfcarehacks.net or check out the show notes for links to my social media accounts. If you enjoyed this podcast, take the time to tell a friend. Together we can build each other up and teach each other how to take better care of ourselves. I'll see you here next Tuesday with more self-care hacks to help you overcome the overwhelm.